Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast for fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts who want to be better at life. Fitness is the greatest investment of anyone's life. However, it's not easily obtained, and anyone who says different is just plain wrong. Join award-winning personal trainer and strength conditioning coach Chris Fudge every Monday as he explores all aspects of fitness that can lead you to your optimal health. This podcast is brought to you by the Ready State Virtual Mobility Coach. Dr. Sturette is a movement and mobility coach for players in the NFL, MLB, NHL, and NBA, plus a doctor of physical therapy. Kelly has created a program called Virtual Mobility Coach. Every day, Virtual Mobility Coach gives you guided mobility videos. It walks you step-by-step through Kelly's proven techniques to relieve pain, improve range of motion, and improve performance. Try it completely free for two weeks, and if you decide to continue, you can get 10% off for life using the promo code PROJECT10. Welcome to another episode of the Project Fitness Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with someone who specializes in weightlifting or barbell training for athletes, maybe a little older athletes, but has really found her niche in working with female athletes, specifically starting out with women and their cycles. So this is a very interesting topic to come on the the podcast for. We've had a few different chats previously regarding some people who will modify nutrition for clients in those scenarios or modify different training protocols as well, but it was never a expert or someone who does this on the regular. It was this conversation. Today, we're sitting down with an expert. We're sitting down with Shannon Parrott and Sharon. Shannon, so nice to have you on here. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I'm always interested in how does someone kind of fall into, we'll call it a niche, how fall into a niche like this. So for yourself, how did you get into really prescribing programming and dialing on, dialing on female cycles and how it relates to their training? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I feel like many of us, it came from my own personal journey. So it came from me going through many different sports, falling in love with sports, falling in love with lifting and working with many coaches. So I've worked with hands down some of the best coaches in the industry. I'm not biased at all. I love everyone who I've worked with and they've all given me such good success. And I've been really fortunate to work with many different personal trainers. So from a bodybuilding coach to powerlifting coaches to kettlebell specialists at 36, I'm now branching into Ollie lifting. So I've hired a coach for that. So I've worked with a lot of different people and there was one trend through all of it. No one ever talked to me about my cycle. It, And it's not a fault of the coaches at all. In my opinion, it's just education that isn't being provided in our industry. And it it goes across the board. So when I say this, I have no blame on my coaches because I myself have done 10 years of coaching. For half of that, I wasn't addressing this like either at all. So just through my journey of success, I've also had quite a few injuries that were gifted to me, which is kind of a learning curve anyways. We got to, as we push our bodies, things do happen. Um, I have an excellent partner in this and she's one of our trainers at the gym, my own clear cut fitness. We sat down and just started chatting about our experiences. And she had a very similar story of working with some coaches, having a lot of injuries, not a lot, but a few injuries that in hindsight, we're wondering if they could have been avoided, if this was a more common conversation with our clients. And then it just, it was like a snowball. It just got bigger and bigger and bigger and rolling. And we just realized this is a huge opportunity in our industry. And we started to niche this out, start educating ourselves and trying to make our gym one of the first gyms that this is normal for all of our trainers to be educated in. And just all of our clients are going through this process. 
So, so that's a real interesting way of putting it. You said you you were gifted some injuries yeah. in your training. Um, do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Maybe talk about some of the injuries you sustained. Yeah, for sure. So my injuries, the first big one would have been, I used to compete in wakeboarding. So it was a knee injury. I fell, I strained MCL, ACL, um, at which point that just weakened my knee. I didn't rehab it properly. I was quite young at the time. And that gave me a lot of opportunities moving forward in my knee health. Um, It wasn't until I started working with coaches that I was actually addressing it the correct way. However, I then had a pretty bad injury within the gym. I had a dislocated kneecap on that same leg and a lot of strains on the side. I ended up having to have knee surgery. It's a lateral release, which is super rare these days to allow a little bit more flexibility within that kneecap to avoid that injury in the future. Um, And that I say gifted because as a coach, you know, sometimes these setbacks are great opportunities to come back stronger. So I got Mm -hmm. to rebuild my body and This was in my surgery was in 2015. So it was quite a while ago, quite some time ago, but it took me about a year, year and a half to get back to a point of strength that I felt like my normal self at. It took me a long time to get back to where I was before, but I do believe I came out of it much stronger. Mm -hmm. And do you think uh, that injury or other injuries had a correlation with your cycle? I absolutely do. Um, Now correlation doesn't mean causation. I don't have the hard data of the time. Um, but when I look at my personal injuries, as well as my business partner in this venture cats injuries, they did seem to happen around the same time in our cycles. So that is around uh, ovulation, which is a really risky time for female athletes when we're lifting. So just if I knew that this might be a time that I'm coming into, I would know how to prep my body a little bit better. I would know how to avoid those injuries a little bit better. And hopefully in the future, we have coaches that are just a bit more comfortable understanding that and acknowledging that. So whether or not it would have been prevented, we can't, we don't know that answer. We will never know that answer, but having the knowledge might've made my sports last a little bit longer. I could have achieved a little bit more before having to step back and really look at my goals and where I was in my life at the time. So let's break it down. Every 28 days, nothing changes for me. I'm a man, you know, (laughs) I can pretty much say 28 days from now, there's a good chance I'm going to feel the exact same I, I do right now. Now, what about for females? How does their cycle affect their training, how they feel, how they perform? Could you break that down a little bit, please? Yeah, for sure. So I love how you started with that. You're like, I'm in, I'm kind of the same every day. Um, I heard a great podcast. That's fortunate and unfortunate. Depends who you talk to, right? (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Um, I'll drop the name of the podcast in later. I'm sorry. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But the people speaking about it did such a good job seeing that when a man walks into the gym, that same man is walking into the gym every single day of that month, every single, they might've slept a little different. They might be a little hungover. They might've eaten a bit different, but overall it's that same body coming in Mm -hmm. with the female. Every single week we're fueled by a little bit different energy levels, energy systems, different hormones. And it really, really impacts us much more than we realize. Mm -hmm. So our cycle can be broken up into two main areas. We have our follicular phase, And we also have our luteal phase. So it's the first half of our cycle and the second half. We further break this up into four sections. So the first day is the day that we bleed. So menzies, what most people call our period. Um, That lasts between one and seven days. This is the lowest point of hormones. So we don't have a lot of hormones happening at this point. This is one of the best times for us to actually max out our lifts. So our energy is low. And once symptoms do subside, our hormones are low and it's a really safe place to kind of push that. 
as we go in through our follicular phase, so as we hit about week two, day seven, our estrogen is starting to peak. Now, a lot of people see estrogen as like this bad, like emotional hormone, but it's actually really good. It gives us a lot of energy. During this stage, we are actually using it. It helps us build muscle. It helps us with our pain tolerance. It's just given us all the feel good stuff. So that keeps going into week two. And then at, near the end is when we hit ovulation. And this is when our estrogen is at its peak. So it's at the highest. Testosterone has a big surge as well as our serotonin levels. Mm -hmm. So wait, human growth hormone is increased. Uh, we feel really good, really interesting. Our pain tolerance is really high at this point too. So knowing if an injury is happening is a little bit harder to realize. And the big, the big thing we want to look at at ovulation or right before is this surge of estrogen increases a lot of laxity in our joints. So that's mm. where knee injuries come in. So mm. we'll just leave that to the first conversation. There's some really interesting studies out there that you women are about three to six times more likely to get injuries within their knees than men. 100%. And that almost doubles, triples at the time of ovulation. And that's mostly because of that increase. Our joints are really loose at that time. So what we need to understand is that we need to warm up, prime, movement, pre uh, movement prep, but really stabilize our joints at that time if we are going to max out. Mm -hmm. We like to encourage our clients, if possible, not to choose that time to max out, do sub-maximal lifts. We do really well with volume at this time. So it's a really good time to kind of increase those sets um, and just prioritizing your warm-ups. That's the biggest thing in that time. So mm -hmm. then after ovulation, that's when those, those hormones start to drop and progesterone comes up. Now, this is going to help our core increase our core temperature. So our bodies are running a lot hotter at this point. We're mm -hmm. burning more calories. We also need a lot more hydration. So if you're working with an endurance athlete, this is where the time is we got to really watch what's happening. We're releasing a lot of sodium. We're trying to sweat, but we're not sweating as much. So our core temperature keeps increasing. And what this all says is we need more time to recover. So whether that's between sets, whether that's between workouts, you need a little bit more time in between. And then coming into the end of this phase, so right before we started all over, that's when things are getting your PMS symptoms, uh, PMDD for listeners who know what that is. That's like the cramps, the cravings, all of that stuff. Um, and that's energy. Our energy is going to start to take a little bit of a hit as well. So we want to look at a lot of nutrition to support that time in the second half. And that first half is when we're feeling so good. So you're fueling our workouts really well. But we're also looking at priming our joints a lot more in that first half. If I could sum that up in that long, that's how I would do it. There's a lot more going on. <laughs> that's your start. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, uh, my hand just went numb from taking notes, yeah. actually, by the way. <laughs> uh, but I want to rewind 19 yeah. parts of that. Uh, so female injuries was a big one there. You said estrogen goes up, the joints become more lax. And yeah. for our listeners out there who don't know already, um, women, again, you got the short end of the stick. You're going to get injured more than men on average anyway. Uh, especially knee injuries with the Q angle happening because your hips are just designed different than men's. So you lack stability in comparison. And then what you're saying is during one of these phases, your estrogen levels are spiked, which then increases joint laxity, correct? Yes, correct. Even further. That is okay, even, even further. Okay. I want to try to get a timeline here. I want to try to yeah, get a timeline so here. That's so really you said, good. Uh, yeah. I want to know like which week we got four weeks. For sure. Right. And uh, so I've read some stuff on the follicular phase is like a good time to that. That's when strength can be at its highest, but you're saying it's, is it that, that week or it is, week? it it's is a that double, week. it's a double edged sword. 
it is the time that we are at our strongest. Mm -hmm. We are building muscle our best. We are recovering wonderfully. We've got a really positive outlook on life. You're very motivated and focused. So even Mm -hmm. our focus goes up during this time. And this is a one follicular phase is the first half. So day one until ovulation. Ovulation happens at about day 14, but that depends female to female. So that's mm-hmm. totally different. And then even furthermore, if they're on birth control, which is a whole nother conversation, that changes things a little bit. It's not quite as serious if you're on birth control, but it depends what type of birth control you're on. So for our non our naturally cycling women is what we call it. So women who are not on birth control or any kind of hormone replacement, that's where around day 14, So even a few days before is when you want to be a little careful about maxing out. But if you are maxing out, just prime your body even more than we normally would do. So when we, sorry, when you say a few days before we're talking about bleed week, right? Uh, No, a few days before your ovulation. So this is really good. Yeah. 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 I need this timeline. I need this. I know it's good. We love teaching male coaches about this because it's so important. Mm. So when we look at um, a calendar, so day one to five is like our bleeding days. one to seven and then from day seven to 14 you're still in your follicular phase our body's preparing to drop an egg which is ovulation so Mm -hmm. ovulation is only a day it takes a day or two so a couple days before a couple days after that's about day 14 Mm -hmm. and then from day 15 until 28 is what we call your luteal phase where you're running a little bit warmer uh, your energy is going a little bit lower. Estrogen is quite low. Progesterone is rising. Our serotonin level is dropping. And that's where we kind of have the energy dips and a little bit more tired. And that's usually the week out when someone says, oh, I get, I'm getting my cycle on the yeah. week, next week or early in a few days. Exactly. So okay. it goes, the luteal so, phase is about two weeks. It's the long, it's about two weeks and the follicular is the first two weeks. And these symptoms tend to amplify as you get closer to, so towards the end of the two weeks, correct? Yeah, that's a really good question. They do, they tend to really, on a four week cycle, that's like third week is when we really start feeling it a week Mm. before, but that depends athlete to athlete and women to women and menstruator to menstruator. So some people will feel those symptoms day one of their cycle, the day we bleed. Some feel it actually the week leading up. So it depends on who you are, Mm -hmm. which is why we encourage you start understanding your cycle, understand your client cycles so that you know this client really excels on day one. It's a wonderful day. Symptoms have stopped. Let's get them lifting. Other clients actually need those three days to get rid of symptoms, cramps, at which point we can start ramping their workouts after that. So so this is really interesting. So I'm hearing you speak, um, you know, the scientific um, definitions of what's going on Uh, from an, from my experience, okay. Working with a lot of female clients, I had never asked a client years ago. I never said, Hey, how's your cycle? Are you on are you on birth control or not on birth control or on hormone therapy or not hormone therapy? I never did. And at one time I had a client say to me, Chris, next week is going to be really hard. You know, I, I always feel so weak on this week. I said, Oh, that's interesting. And then uh, I said, what about the week after oh, the week after I feel amazing. I feel really good. I said, oh, okay. She goes, well, it's kind of like after my, my period. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And I'm like, what about the week after? She's like, oh, I feel kind of average. I'm like, and then the week after that, she's like, I'm good for the first few days. And then I start getting my symptoms. And I'm like, oh, interesting. So um, dumb caveman Chris over here <laughs> writes her program one week at a time. And what I do is I have average week. I have week, week, 
I have strong week. And as you're explaining this, the strong week would be through the follicular phase, right? Mm -hmm. And then the average week, the other ones, and the weak week is the week out of of her cycle leading up to it. And then the first few days. And what was also interesting was um, she's a powerlifter and a weightlifter. There's a little bit of both. And what she found was she was getting these adductor strains, adductor strains. And she just says, I have no stability in that area. So we had to start tuning down the intensity for some weeks specifically and adding in, like, she's a very hypermobile person. So we just said, Hey, 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 back off, stop, stop with that. Add a bunch of stability stuff to your warm up, And then we also changed the intensity in those workouts. And that was so much uh, driven by communication. It was not my idea. It was her communicating with me and then us brainstorming together. But you're saying that this could and probably should be some education out there for, for coaches. Yes. Totally. And I love what you said about that. Cause that's, there's a bit of a stigmatism and like, I'm a hundred percent only in the last couple of years have I become mm-hmm. so comfortable talking about cycles. This half, this hits half of us talking to my trainers, my staff and our clients about it. It should be part of our five vital signs. So it should be just as important when someone comes in and you have a new client coming in, in that intake form, there should be a question. When is day one of your cycle? Are you on any birth control? Do you suffer from any severe Uh, PMDD, PMS, cramps, things that you need to know because irregularities there go Mm -hmm. across the board. It's not just for our cycle. Mm -hmm. So it's so important. And, but we're not doctors. So we need to really stress that we are not doctors. So we're not here to help your hormone imbalance. We we can assist there, but we're not going to guide those questions. We're trying to make you feel the best in your body, lift Mm -hmm. as heavy as you can while reducing injuries and get to your goals. So when you look at these programs, a lot of our strength programs, which I love, they are built by a man for many of them with kind of the male client in mind. That's not to say, I mean, come on, five by five, West side, five, three, one. So I have more of a powerlifting background myself than Ollie, but like, those are some great programs. They don't always take into account these little changes we actually need to make week to week. Mm-hmm. And exactly what you said is the stability. So how do we stabilize some of these weaker muscles, not just for our female athletes or menstruating athletes, also for our men and our male yeah. athletes too are maybe not going into meat. Like we're just looking for a bit more functional fitness. We got to really look at that stuff. And Mm -hmm. um, within our education, that should be a component in almost every course. It's not in any text. It's 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 in zero text. I've done a bunch. I've done a bunch. I've I've combed through. I know. Mm -hmm. And especially when it comes to these awesome rehab, prehab programs or, you know, squat bench, but like how to coach these better. There's there are differences that we need to start addressing that we're not just little men. We are just different and we need a little bit of a different approach to programming. That's not to say you and I couldn't do the same program. We mm-hmm. just need little tiny tweaks and we might program it slightly different at a different t- week on when I would start versus you. Mm-hmm. That being said, we can't always choose when we have to max out. Like as a powerlifter, you know, when a meet is coming, when you have a comp, <clears throat> Olymp- Olympians don't get to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Can yeah. I go next week? Can we just push it back? Can we just push it back a week, guys? You okay <laughs> but, with that? Can we all sync together and try that again? <laughs> yeah, so, really. Right. We'll all stay in the village for four months and <laughs> right. hopefully we'll all match up. So um, not always an option. So what what kind of confusing or could be challenging, I think, for some coaches, I'll, I'll get your take on this is, so when I had this breakthrough moment with this one athlete, I said, okay, I need to start talking to my other athletes. So I would say, hey, how does your cycle affect your lifting? 
Mm-hmm. And then some of them were very like, you know what? It actually, it does when here, you always put eights on this way. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, great. Well now let me get your, let me get your cycle down. You tell me when yeah. it is and then I'll, I'll adjust accordingly. Yeah. But then here was the hard part. The majority that I would talk to would say, oh, it doesn't affect it too much. Now I'm not sure if they were being hundred percent honest or they just were like, I don't really want to talk about this with Chris. That's right? fair. Yeah. And I understand, but what's your take on that? So I, there's a couple of things going on in that question. So first and foremost, it comes to client comfort level. We are, we've not normalized conversations about periods in gyms. Like mm-hmm. I own a gym and I hid extra tampons and pads underneath my sink with my cleaning materials. So any girl had to go scummage to find stuff. So that's still something that's not very normalized to just have a conversation for some people. It is, it's very comfortable. So you mm-hmm. have to kind of meet them at the comfort level. That's why I like to take it as an intake question. So as you're doing your health history, it's just setting a standard that, okay, we need to know this, this, and this, this is not something to shy away from. This is your health history. This is very important for us to know. And then you ease into it. So if it's an important conversation, if your client does have a lot of symptoms, if they're missing workouts because of bleeding, if they are very advanced lifters and you have them maxing out, that's absolutely important. For the more beginner lifters, like someone who's just coming in, it's an important habit to be in because you're going to grow and you're going to move. But it they might not be comfortable having the conversation in a large group where it's like, all right, Sally. So when did you bleed last? Sorry, when? Like, it's still, like <laughs> Everyone happened? quiet. I'm talking to Sally. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so it's more about telling them why we need to know this information. And then, like we said, during that first half of our phase, we have a wonderful thing happening with estrogen, all these feel good things mm-hmm. that also increases our pain tolerance. So a lot of times we don't feel what's happening at the time and it's two or three days later and I'm not talking about like delayed muscle soreness but you can have a tweak in your knee or your shoulder Mm. that you don't feel until three or four days later because our pain tolerance is so heightened at this point Mm. and when joint laxity comes into play you may not have felt a tweak prior and then all of a sudden you're standing the walking those little movements they're calling the micro movements the laxity is gonna it's gonna kick you in the arse yeah. And it always comes on later. It comes because mm-hmm. we're not feeling it always right away. And it's that repetition and we still need our daily lives. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, where I, would you make, um, where would you make adjustments or if there's coaches listening or there's female yeah. athletes right now, where should they make adjustments in their training programs? For sure. Um, so the biggest suggestions I would say is we need to understand the physiology of our clients. So understand mm-hmm. where they are for our more high performing clients understand where they are in their cycle. So you know what hormone they're being fueled by. This is going to help us determine what kind of volume we're doing versus load and tonnage and what our recovery is, as well as fueling. How do we fuel our bodies for this? How do we recover faster? So that'd be the first one, understanding what happens at ovulation so that we can prime our bodies prior to that completely so important and helping your client understand that Forgiveness is a big thing in lifts when we come to the second half, when you might not be feeling your best self, when that progesterone is really high, when our energies are really low. There's been times I walk in the gym, I try to pick something up that I picked up a million times and it's it's just not going, it's not going anywhere. And that can be really frustrating as a lifter. So being able to understand and look at it objectively to be like, oh, hold on. I am at this phase. I didn't really eat properly for it. And that's probably why I'm feeling a little bit weaker. So it's just getting these trackables and understanding a bit more. So the biggest adjustments is try not to max out at ovulation unless you absolutely have to. And the goal is to get those symptoms reduced in that second half of the cycle. 
Okay. So I guess the metrics that coaches should be looking for, um, or, or athletes should be looking for first off is, is their cycle regular? And if it's yeah. regular, you can then probably program for it. Yeah. Do you think there's any utility as a, as a coach is to program one week at a time rather than four weeks at a time? I know a lot of people like to write a block of four weeks, give it and say, good luck. Yeah. Me personally, I've always done one week at a time because I, I, like I get information and then I make the adjustments there. I think like, what a, what a great question. I think as in my opinion, when you're starting with a new athlete or a new client, I think week by week is an awesome idea. And I would have not originally thought that to be honest, but mm -hmm. you get to make those adjustments and it's what most of us do anyways with clients. You write your yeah. program and then you go and you're like, Oh, <laughs> like half of this is not going to work for you. So it's a blueprint, right? It's always, it's always a blueprint starting out. Yeah, exactly. And like success leaves clues. You have an idea of what's going to work, yeah. but you know, sometimes these little things pop up, right? I remember doing nutrition with someone once who um, said, yeah, let's go keto style. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Here's keto style. <laughs> sure enough. Like, you know, 10 days later, they weren't feeling good. I asked a few more questions. Homeboy didn't have a gallbladder, oh. right? Like you need, like <laughs> so you need that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, hey, you've never done keto, eh? Oh no. Yeah. yeah I needed that info because you, you couldn't have ever done it. You didn't have a gallbladder. <laughs> so but, there, but, are, yeah. there, there are big misses sometimes. I actually quite like that idea of doing week by week to understand those energy trends and lifestyle. Like this goes so much beyond cycle tracking, just mm. lifestyles in general is your client fueled. Do they come in after work? Are they first thing in the morning? Have they eaten? There's all of these things we have to adjust for. And on online programming, how do we encourage these check-ins and how do we tweak these things when we're not in person with our client? Mm -hmm. And again, it's just setting up that first consult with them so well and so cookie cutter clean that you can get these answers beforehand and then tweak. So week by week is a great option as long as you are prepared to adjust that and adapt it to what their energy needs are and their cycle. Yeah, let, let's put this into practice here. You mentioned yeah. before about uh, Jimmy's program there, the old five three one. Why don't you give a quick a quick breakdown? What is five three one, and how would you adjust it for for someone's cycle? For sure, um, I love five three one for cycle tracking clients. So five three one is a quite famous program by Jim Wendler. When I, do you know when it was written? I actually don't off the top of my head. Yeah, that would have been that would have been in the early two thousands when Jim retired from powerlifting. Right. So like it's been, or it's been around yeah, like maybe even the late, the late nineties. I thought it was a bit before that, but yeah, so it's been around. It's a great program, but it's been rewritten. Like he rewrote it about seven or eight times. So many times. It's actually really hard to find the original like copies and what it is. So it's to get you strong. That's the goal. It's a big powerlifting in the powerlifting community. Um, it's separated into four different blocks. So we use what we call submaximal lifts. I think he calls them total TMs in there, total maxes for that. So he uses your one rep max, and then you're going to take 90% of that one rep max. And that is the number that we're going to work with that we will then continue to hit 85%, 90, 95% of that submaximal lift. So you're 90. actually not yeah. even hitting your one rep max yeah. yet. So already we have a win for cycle tracking. We have four blocks and they increase. So we start block one, which I believe we're working at 85% is where we max out at five reps. Then we have block two, uh, where we work up to 90. Block three, we're working up to 95% of that submax lift. And then block four is a deload. So mm -hmm. you're going to deload every four weeks. For a lot of people, that feels a lot. So if you haven't done 531, you're like just ramping up. And then all of a sudden you're deloading. And you're like, mm -hmm. whoa, that, that happened really quick. So 531 works really well for cycling females because we can match it very well within our cycle with the fourth day that deloads. Mm -hmm. uh, there's two different approaches to this. 
So the first approach would be more for a more advanced lifter who's very comfortable with their time under the bar. They've got good form. It's a good program that you can actually start week one on day one of your menses. So the day you bleed, once those subs, uh, once the symptoms subside, you don't have cramps anymore, headaches are gone, you feel okay. You start in day one, week one. This is where you need a graph to follow this story. <laughs> and then we're going to go. So week two, we're ramping up. And then we're going to hit week three, which is our max just after ovulation. So the reason this is good, our energy is high, we're feeling good. We have all the good hormones. The reason we want to be careful is that you are so close to that date. So you want to be careful with your submax lifts, but also your AMRAP. So anyone who's done five, three, one, the last set is as many reps as you can at that percentage. So you're Crazy. still doing, yeah, yeah, you're doing a lot of volume at time mm -hmm. at a pretty high submax level. Mm -hmm. You need to choose a weight that you are so good, like you're comfortable with your form and that you know that your form is going to hold true, which isn't always true when we're hitting those max lifts. It's kind of a really teeter totter on, are we sacrificing form or are we mm -hmm. sticking to it? Mm -hmm. So that would be kind of our more advanced lifters for more beginner lifter. We're actually going to start their program in the third week of their cycle. So day one of Jim's program, you're starting at about ovulation. So it's really safe. So we yeah. don't need to worry so much about that injury. The downfall for this is you're going to be maxing up when you're not feeling your best. You're maxing out in the end of our program, our luteal phase, and then you end up resting deloading when our energy is really high. Mm -hmm. So this is really good for someone who has serious injuries in the past or is a newer lifter. The other thing I would tweak is I believe the original program has everything is like, well, there's different, different versions. There's boring, but big there's. Well, the, the, the original, the original version, Jim wrote for Jim because he was tired being a fat power lifter. He's like, Jim, no, these are his words, not Chris's words. He's like, I was tired of being a fat power lifter doing four hour workouts and I wanted to stay strong. So he was like, what's the least I could do? Yeah. To keep myself strong. And I just want to be in and out of the gym one hour. So he had the AMRAPs for the volume work. And then he had, okay, if I can't go hundred percent all the time, I'm going to break. I'll go 90% and base it off that. And then all of a sudden it just, it blew up. Right. And it blew up in the sense that he's like, oh, this could be used for average people. Cause he was an elite level lifter. Yeah. So he's like, well, elite level lifting is not going to work for everyone, but this could work for average people. And then all of a sudden curated it to fit the athlete model as well. I got to be honest with you you're the first person I ever heard of taking that program and manipulating it. May it's not a good word. Sorry. Choosing it yeah. for a female athlete to coincide with her cycle, which I think is brilliant. Yeah. It's, it works so well. And then the only other thing is our auxiliary work. You want to increase unilateral work unless they're actually going to meet. If they're going to meet, that's different. If you got to look at your goals of your client. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the ridge one, there wasn't a lot of unilateral work. It'd be two, maybe three ox works. So it was just to get you as strong as possible when you're locked in that position. So add a little bit more unilateral work, stability work in the auxiliary side of things. And then you have a really good program for cycling females that will avoid injuries and increase the strength. I love it. I love it. There's yeah. a lot of, uh, yeah. Like I think it's um, applicable the way you say it here. I'm just running through all the stuff in my head and I, I'm a big, uh, I've never been a huge fan of using it for, from a power lifting perspective, you yeah. know, respectively, yeah. I would just say it lacks a couple things. And one of the things was the unilateral work. And yeah. you just said, well, if we're going to use it, you might want to use it. I'm like, that's a really good idea. <laughs> well, it's got these pre-programmed in deloads. And I've always been like, so I'll, I'll, I'll create like a recovery weeks for people. I call them recovery weeks where I put in recovery modalities. Yeah. But I've never put them in every four weeks. It's been, you know, athlete to athlete, client to client specific. Yeah. 
But the way you say it now is if you have someone whose cycle is bang on every 28 days, it's the exact same. You could literally take that and then make it applicable to them. And I think that if anyone's listening to this right now and you're a coach, like that's a huge win, write that down, put it on a post-it note, put it on your forehead. Don't forget that. (laughs) I think, um, one thing to remember with 531, it, it's a really good program to teach clients how to read percentages, how to feel their body, RPE versus one rep maxes. For a very beginner lifter, you might not get enough time under the bar with 531, but someone mm-hmm. who's definitely kind of getting working on their strength gains, it's a really, really good program. And it works very well with our cycling females with those few little tweaks. And if you, if you run a gym like yourself, right. And you're getting people in and out under like, say 60 minute time slots. Yeah. It's like, well, you can, you can get what is required done to be better. Totally. I think that's pretty smooth. Yeah. Um, now I just want a quick question here. Quick question. How would you manipulate? Uh, an athlete's nutrition around their cycle? That's, that's a great question. So first and foremost, we got to look at goals. Uh, the fact that you said an athlete, I'm going to assume that they have a good idea about what nutrition is and we're not teaching them. What is a macro? Do you eat enough protein? Mm -hmm. So within our cycle, the first half of our menstruating female cycles, uh, the follicular phase, that's the one with the high estrogen, the feel good phase. We do really well with carbs. We really do well with digesting those, getting those into our glycogen stores, using them, finding the energy from there. So we want to make sure that we are eating enough and that you are fueling these workouts because these workouts are going to be a little bit more ramped up than in the second half of our cycle. Mm-hmm. When we get into that second half of the cycle, things change. <laughs> things change quickly. So we actually become a little bit more fat adapted. It's about 5 to 10% more that you're using a little bit more calories your core temperature is increased and we want to start switching into more fats because we are not doing such a good digesting carbs at this time. Because your core temperature is increased, your digestive system is yeah, the dropped, progesterone's rise. Okay. That being said, you got to fuel your workout. So depending how you eat, you just want to watch five to 10% isn't that much. When we look at an actual macro breakdown, if someone's eating 2000, that's 200 calories worth. That's not that much fat. That's two mm-hmm. tablespoons of the clean oil. Mm-hmm. Um, what you want to be careful about though, is that you are still honoring your body. You're still recovering. Protein stays the same throughout the whole, the whole cycle. We want to increase our protein, be eating our protein goals. Um, but in the luteal phase, it's hydration is a really big thing. So if any coaches work with endurance athletes, this is the time we need to really up our hydration, like mm-hmm. quite a bit more and not just hydration. We're looking at sodium. We're losing a lot of sodium, uh, in the second half as well, more so than normal. So you got to make sure that we're looking at that. So would you, sorry, would you, would yeah. you encourage, would you encourage adding in like Himalayan salt, like, like spread yeah. out on your food Absolutely. or choose foods that are higher in sodium? Yeah, for sure. So I would do um, even like a sodium drink. I'm not going to say Gatorade, like, but Gatorade was made for athletes before it was put into the commercial world where they pumped it full of sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, coconut water is okay. You're looking at something that is about a three to one ratio of sodium to potassium. Shockingly, almond milk is actually a really good one too for pre-workout. So if you're in a smoothie kind of person. It's and just, if, if you're listening, yeah. you never tried milk and almond. It doesn't work. I've tried it. <laughs> like crushing I, them all. <laughs> I agree with what you're saying though. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, there's other little things. Then also we're trying to reduce symptoms. So in the second half, you want to watch inflammate foods that cause a lot of inflammation, especially mm. in that third week leading into, or the fourth week leading into bleeding. You want to watch those like high carbs, um, and even causes inflammation. You want to look at 
keeping our blood sugars regulated to reduce those cravings, reduce those cramps, reduce everything that's happening. If you found success, sorry, if you've found success in that scenario with having your athletes maintain the protein number, even though they're adjusting other things to help with balancing the sugar levels. So the best way to do that is exactly that is all you're going to do is switch your carbs and your fats. This is the first mm-hmm. second half. So you might be getting 30% here and you're just going to drop that by 20 or 10% in the next second half, which but isn't cap- a lot. It's not, if you're comfortable with your food, it's not a lot. Captain protein stays the same across the board. Always, always protein people, protein. <laughs> and also it's a good question. I'll actually bring that up is uh, the first half. We want some really high iron and we want that coming from our proteins. The red meats, we're bleeding, we're losing blood, we're losing energy. So we want to, that would be the one focus in those first seven days is getting a lot of iron rich proteins, red meats, kind of the one using a cast iron pan. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Shannon, um, what is going on with you? What's next in your, in your journey? For sure. Um, So we've got our next intake for our listen cycles, the 12 week program that helps women and athletes track their cycles to adopt their fitness, nutrition, and rest. That doesn't take in until January. So unfortunately we're full right now, but we have a webinar coming up November 17th and we talk all about 531 and how to periodize your program for your periods. And then we'll be launching a program for people going through menopause and how we can lift through menopause. And that'll be coming out in late 2022. So that's a little bit coming out. We got to, we're pretty science nerds here. So it takes a lot. We look mm-hmm. at so many journals. We really take our time when we launch something new. So those are exciting things to look out for. But if you do want to join us on our free webinar, there's a link in my bio. You can sign up there. And we also have a cookbook. So if you have more questions about nutrition, it talks about how to eat throughout the four cycles and it's all free. So just download it right from IG. This is super fascinating. And anyone who, who's listening is going to jump on board with that stuff there. You'll see me in the webinar as well. I want to sit in on that and get yeah. my knowledge up because uh, I've learned so much today. A few takeaways from myself uh, t- today is you can use 531. It's a phenomenal program to co- correlate with someone's you know cycle. The other thing is, is, is timing and then switching the fats with the carbohydrates. But Captain P stays the same across the board. Auxiliary work for unilateral is a good thing. Um, so I learned a lot in only the short, short, short episode. Um, so I'm definitely going to be on that webinar. So thank you so much thank for coming you. on the Project Fitness Podcast. Thank you very much. I look forward to talking again soon. Awesome. All right. Never stop learning because life never stops teaching. If you've learned at least one thing from this podcast and your mission is to help other people, please share this podcast with them. And a reminder... We will be releasing one episode every Monday for the entire year. So make sure to hit subscribe so you get the updated information as soon as possible. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it.